you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The Around the NFL podcast is confused by rock, paper, scissors. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. You know, these uh, the way our schedule kind of operates right now is we have usually one of us or two of us or maybe even all three of us have a writing assignment early in the week. You got the pod Tuesday. You got the pod Thursday. We got the network show Friday. So we're earning our keep around here. But Wednesday for us is kind of a um, more quiet day um, where you're left to your own devices on some level. There, there's some pre-show prep, uh, things to do. But it's kind of an off day for us right now. And uh, with that in mind, how you doing, Mark? Let me say this. These Sessler Wednesdays. I would say they're on my radar, but that has a negative tone. I, I'm I'm into these Sessler Wednesdays, uh, but there is certainly what a manufactured <laughs> joke. There is certainly something cooking on these Wednesdays yeah. at Sessler Manor. Um, uh, yesterday is a- good for you. <laughs> yesterday is a perfect example. Um, you were very fired up um, about some internal reports about a return to the office for the NFL. You also had a Mark, lot of takes. So crazy. You had a lot. What was that, Frags? Mark, you're so crazy. You had a lot of takes um, about our new NFL Network program uh, promo that's running. Uh, Not necessarily uh, positive ones. So just checking in. How you doing, bud? I was highly annoyed. Um, And, you know, when when you get into that world of annoyance, Mm. to me, you know, you probably dig out of it maybe the next morning. But I um, I am. I do have takes, and I would I would say this: anything that I tweeted about, you know, the whole concept of jamming pat people back into an office, and I've I've stated these points, so I'm not going to like you know laboriously pour over them again. Um, whatever I tweeted um, in my annoyance, I would tweet again right now. 
Although and I also, you did I also delete don't walk one. around. I happened to notice you had a, a scorcher. I know I was alerted <laughs> to that these, these weren't just in our text threads, that it was on Twitter. And there are a few good ones up um, railing against going back to work. Uh, I definitely am worried about the people who, you know, read your <laughs> tweets and are wondering if they are the ponderous extroverts yes, that I come up to thing. you. I noticed Adam Rank like responded to one of them. And so I think Rank that was texted his, me. His way of showing, I'm not one of the ponderous extroverts, am I? Like, you like me. Of course, of course we love Let me just, like Good for a, you! A brief, like, kind of just to tell you, this this gives you a, a window into Mark's Wednesday. It starts 22 hours ago. Uh, Kelly Holcomb on fire right now on NFL Network. Does it end well, though? Hashtag Brown. So, a, I believe a 2002 playoff game. Everything is cool. Uh, you have a Warren Moon tweet. And then um, you have... <laughs> you quote tweeted a Forbes story about working from home. A study shows people working from home are having sex, dating, taking naps, and doing side hustles on company time. Mark, quick, let's everyone get back into absurd office areas and forced into Machiavellian conversation with people we have no interest in communicating with. There's another text. Tweet, get everyone back in these offices. Pleated pants and dumb small talk that appeases ponderous extroverts who must dish about themselves sunrise to sunset. Nothing else makes sense. Get back to the way it is. Then a Knicks tweet, and nice job by the Knicks, uh, evening that series against the Hawks. That's where the deleted tweet was. I don't know what was hotter in that (laughs) deleted one that you had to take off because it it seemed along the same lines. Was there something you just thought could not last? You know what? It was actually, there was a mistake in it. (laughs) Oh, and I thought, and I thought I've also, I've also like, I've, I think I've made whatever point I was attempting to make. Um, not that I've convinced anyone, but you know, just doubling down with like the third and fourth, like left and right hook seemed. There's to one more. Fifteen hours ago, you can take all the tea in China and put it in a big brown bag for me. <laughs> Sail right around all the seven oceans and drop it straight into the deep blue sea. Hashtag DGAF. Don't give a. F- <laughs> Also, looking through our group wow. chat of the four of us right now, one, two, three, four, five unanswered texts, and then a couple hours later, six, a sixth text that we no one answered, and then Dan followed back up with something about himself, yep. and um, and Mark writes back, that's all that this was about. Dan has his attention, and then more unanswered Wait texts. Wait a minute. There's no Mark. context to that, though. There's well, that no was context a separate that, issue. That's well, that, right, and I, that, that I don't think is for public consumption, but um, <laughs> it's fair to say that I was sort of a, like a triple-pronged, fired-up scenario where, like, multiple things were feeding <laughs> off each other. And I know that I, it's best for me just to go quiet for, like, half no, a day. Never, never, learned, though, never Mark, stop. You have to let it out because one thing I've learned, Mark, over the last eight years, like, that fire is coming for someone. The The whole goal for me is just <laughs> right. make sure I'm not that person. That was a tough season, 2017, <laughs> oh I think God, it was. Oh, my God, like... stop it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so well, if it's got to get out, it, it, it's fine that it's at some faceless corporate overlords, especially since we're not really going to be asked to be sitting around in the office anyways. We'll be going and doing our And podcast, it's, you know, you know, we love Mark. So it's like we know the, when we don't reply to Mark, it's not because we're – being dismissive or we don't like what he's saying it's just like because we're we kinda, afraid we understand what? <laughs> what this is really about it's kind of a mark processing life situation and like the thing where you replied to me that it was about me like that i, I guess we can't share the context but like i knew there was mm. some type of rage and i was getting a little fire there but i'm like you know what he needs this i'm gonna let him have it and then everything's gonna be fine in the morning well it, it... 
I would also note that, like, I don't um, float around with no conscience. Like, when I when I <laughs> sent that text that kind of threw a jab at Dan, I thought, well, that was stupid. I, I shouldn't do that. Like, I definitely i am probably the most annoyed at myself through all this, um, these you processes. You also weren't serious. It's not like no. Dan was like, oh, Mark. Of course. Of no, course. I think it was deadly serious. Well, yeah, I no, so but I, here's, <laughs> like, like, here's the thing. I, like, I, when, I, when I was initially dismissed, when I raised concerns about a certain product that has our images and, um, you Why know, show... Why can't we say what it is, by the way? Can we just say what it is? It's we're, already, we're it's already the kind of thing it. that I think we've all... I, I'm dancing around, around it for a reason. Let's just say that there was a request apparently made to recreate a promotional product featuring us, and I raised concerns, and my concerns could not have been more valid. Um, they were initially ignored, and then when reality <laughs> strikes... And everything that I said would happen, happen. It's like, oh, why is Mark upset? Fine. <laughs> I mean, we're good. Anyway, like, life good. goes on. It's you know? good that but... it's Thursday. And just so you know, just to be totally clear, I had nothing to do with any alterations to the product. I mostly believe that to be true, but I'm, there, I'm still investigating. Mark's mad that we have an NFL Network commercial that they changed. And yeah. uh, I, had, I had said in text within the group how it was kind of funny and a little bit annoying uh, that I didn't even have a line in the commercial um, and I thought that was fun I'm, in the I first the show yeah. um, in the first commercial uh, never went beyond that we kind of kicked around the idea of uh, kind of creating our own commercial with Ricky's help but that never happened I certainly never like mentioned it to anybody else but then a new commercial shows up Mark on Wednesday Mark time uh, put things together and decided that I was Machiavellian and had gotten a new commercial made, which certainly was not true. Well, like I said, I'm still investigating. I don't know what is true or not true. I'm just currently looking into it. So, Anyway, we love you, buddy. Uh, never change. Please. Well, right back at, at you all for tolerating, you know, some of the nonsense. <laughs> Heavens. Uh, today's show. We're going to have some fun. Thursday show post hump day, I call it. Most people, once you get past hump day Wednesday, you don't reference it again, reference it again until the next hump day. I'm so happy that you got past it, that it sh I think it should be celebrated. Because in general, I think Thursday is an underrated day. I th always felt oh, that yeah. way. feel very strongly about Thursday as a day in general and uh, deserves uh, more credit. So it's post hump day for me. I love Downhill. it. Um, okay. Today's show. You know, I had a mailbag. Speaking of uh, writing assignments, a mailbag went up on NFL.com. A little bit of like a frustration for me is that I, I write like you guys on the website, but a lot of people that ingest our content on this podcast, uh, they, uh, they don't connect those dots in the same way. So when I ask for a mailbag, um, mailbag questions for a written piece, I'll get a ton of questions about our podcast and heroes related stuff, which is all fun. But at the same time, it's like, I have an assignment here. I need your guys' help to make this work as a mailbag. Anyway, that's I mean, some of it's fun. It's not like the 745th time that you get the question. <laughs> if you're all on a deserted island, like which one is going to survive? We answered that. We answered that in 2013. We, yeah, don't, we, we retire don't that one. Um, anyway, uh, today's segment a little later on is mailbag questions. We wish you would have asked you, the okay, listeners. Okay. It's not a personal attack, but it's just like, you know, please help me out. I try to make it very clear in the tweet that I, they're two separate worlds. It's a real struggle, and I, I think we all understand what, what you're going one through. Of, one of my questions was going to be specifically for Mark, but now we've answered it with our intro to the show, which was just like... <laughs> 
how disappointed are you with the end of the pandemic? Because I feel like that's <laughs> that's really what we're all working out here. It's like this was Mark's magical time the last year. He does not. Well, like all right, anymore. but I mean that you know, there, we, I could I could do seven separate podcasts about it. We're not. We don't need to. You know. Don't look at it this way, Mark. Don't be sad. It's over. Just be happy it happened at all. <laughs> Let's do some news. Now I've been hearing a lot about a place called Super Duper Weenie in Connecticut. Mark, Connecticut native, have you heard of Super Duper Weenie, the restaurant? That's no, I, area, I haven't been there in like twenty something years as a as, as anyone that lived there. So I'm sure new new businesses, strangely enough, have popped up since I was there. It sounds like an interesting place. Super Duper Weenies. Check it out if you're in the area. All right. Let's uh, start uh, with news of a retirement. Hit it, Ricky. This will be a 45-yard attempt. That's Vinatieri's luck from this distance of late. This is the Patriots' season on the line. The kick is away. It is. Uh, Greg won't be able to stand up after watching that highlight of Adam Vinatieri hitting the 45-yard field goal in the blizzard at Old Foxborough Stadium um, in 2001 to tie that game late against the Raiders. Of course, he kicks another short field goal in overtime to move the Patriots to the AFC title game. The rest is history. A dynasty was born. Vinatieri went on to have one of the great careers any kickers ever had. He's the NFL's all-time leading scorer. He announced Wednesday on the Pat McAfee show that he is retiring after 24 seasons. He's 48 years old, only a three-time Pro Bowl selection, which surprised me. Um, uh, three-time All-Pro as well. Uh, he played for the Patriots and Colts, where he spent the final 14 years of his career. Greg, uh, when you talk about the all-time Patriots, mm. where does Adam Vinatieri rank for you? <sighs> He's he's high up there. I mean, he he holds such a unique place in the sports history and in Patriots history. It's hard to like count kickers as the same as everyone else. But I I think Belichick said it well in his statement. I'm going to read it. But I loved seeing that graphic as he was about to kick it. It said Vinatieri had missed four of his last five field goals before that kick. He had hit one earlier in that game. But that to me is what kind of uh, Vinatieri's all about. You you missed some in the Super Bowl, too, but when he had the game winner, he hit it. And Belichick's got bars here with his statement. People say, you know, Belichick's not, you know, great with with the words, but he's great with a a concise statement. I think he said it well. Adam Vinatieri's greatest kicker of all time, who made the greatest kick of all time in the 28th, uh, 2001 Divisional Playoffs. His consistency, mental toughness, and performance under pressure was legendary. I'm honored to have coached Adam going all the way back to his rookie year in 1996 and through some of the most special moments in Patriots and league history. Here's the sentence that stuck out to me. Adam is in the rarest of echelon of athletes whose career accomplishments may never be matched. Now, you can say whatever you want about kickers. You I'm so mad what, you didn't let uh, me do my Belichick impression to read that quote, but, oh, okay. you know, good job by you. <laughs> that you can say whatever you want. He was put in that position, and, and there's some sort of luck involved, and, like, whether that has to do with Hall of Fame or whatever. But the last sentence where he says he's in the rarest echelon of athletes whose career accomplishments may never be matched, I mean, that's true. No, there, There's never been someone in football like Adam Vinatieri because of what he did there and like there may never be and that alone like whatever you want to say about it it's like that's just a unique and amazing thing uh, as a Patriots fan and as a football fan I, I don't know how you don't how anyone would not 
immediately ticket him for the the Hall of Fame. There's really only two pure kickers in the Hall of Fame. It's Morton Anderson and John Stenerud. I mean, because you've got George Blanda, who played quarterback and kicked. And Lou Groza played many seasons at left tackle, which I didn't actually know that. Um, But this would be the third, and he's totally... I think Belichick nailed it. I mean, he nailed it. Is he the best kicker of all time? I don't know, but the longevity... is alive. Right, but the longevity mixed with huge career moments, um, to me, is a Hall of Fame suit come together. If Wes was here, I feel like he would sum this up really nicely. Um, But, like, what is sports? I mean, it's a collection of moments, and and the, the great ones rise to the occasion. And... Even if he does, he didn't have the natural ability of a Justin Tucker, as an example. He, first of all, had a ton of ability uh, based on a quarter century playing professional football. But also, when those moments arose, he seemed to always step up. And, you know, you have those two kicks in the snow. You have the game winner in the Super Bowl that year. You have another game winner in the Super Bowl a couple, year, couple years later against the Panthers. Greg, I'm sure you could point out five or six more big kicks that he hit uh, during his run. And then he went to Indianapolis, and, and it was pretty rocky in the end there. But he was rock solid for um, a long time for them. Uh, if he's not a, if he's not a whole no, no, he is. I mean, My yeah, point was, like, that's almost secondary to me because of what, you know, Belichick was getting at there was, like, his place is so unique. No, Like, many people in the Hall of Fame will never have that place in the, in the game. He also, you know, 14 years in Indianapolis, he led the league in field goal percentage – Five years ago, like 2014, right. he did that three or four times too. So he was a great. I mean, kicker. there's a, he was there. He hit a lot of big kicks for for those Colts teams too. And he was very fortunate as well. I mean, part sure. of what Belichick is saying is he to be able to be in this upper echelon, he had to have these opportunities and be attached to these teams and be in these moments and and thrive when they counted. So it's kind of like a perfect confluence of things that led to. I think one of the most memorable careers uh, of anybody, you know, forget about kicker or whatever the position was. Everybody knows Vinatieri and what well, he did. Good one for question him. for you. Cause I know it's like you're removed from the, um, you know, from the pro football writers association of America. If you're pro quarterback wins, uh, no one's allowed to even consider that as a, as a viable way to <laughs> measure a human being anymore, but kicker wins. Do we, do we care about that? Is that okay to care about? I mean, he doesn't need kick. I mean, he define, doesn't need kicker wins. Define kicker wins. Do you mean the the straight up I'd win say, loss record of his team, or like his no. kicks with the game on the line? Game winning kicks, sure. I would say. Yeah, that, I think or that. go ahead kicks earlier in the game. You know, I'd like to see a percentage on that for sure. Happy trails. And by the way, the kicker club, we lower the flag out front to half mast. Um, so they're not allowed back into the club. Well, he has his own. Adam has his own kind of booth. Like if you went to like the top clubs in Minneapolis or whatever, Prince would always have his own velvet area that no one else could even look at. Adam has his mm. velvet Prince booth at the nice. kicker club. The flag That's goes it. down to half mass because seeing a guy's career end, uh, no matter how long it went, is a reminder of everyone's mortality and how nothing is forever. Um, but it's a celebration and we plan to celebrate Adam going forward in the club. 47-year-old guy from South Dakota State, you know, in the club. Look at Greg. Hello. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that he closed the goddamn stadium down with those two kicks. I mean, that you can't write that stuff on the way to their first Super Bowl. 
the NFL, in other news, the NFL and the NFL Players Association have agreed to a salary cap ceiling of $208.2 million for 2022. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported Wednesday. Pelissero noted that there is not currently an agreed-to cap floor and that the final cap figure will not be set until next February. The ceiling for 2022 is nearly $30 million more than $182.5 million cap set for 2021, pointing toward an expected spike in future revenue for the league following the COVID-19 pandemic year of 2020. And Mark, you the, one of your tweets from Wednesday, you alluded to what happened at Madison Square Garden with an electric garden, 15,000 fans going nuts. Um as they even their series, the Knicks with the Hawks. And uh, yeah, this isn't going up unless like this, unless the NFL is like, okay, we're going to have full houses across the country. This is going to be much different than what happened last year. And that's something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, if you go read some of those old um, historical epics that describe how the NFL kind of grow grew from, from nothing through the ebb and flow of it all, that there were a lot of franchises that struggled to even, um, go year to year out of the gate. And there was they were not equal. Um, and it's just incredible to see that the NFL probably in all sports leagues were put through what the most trying year that you could script on paper for sports in general. Like no fans, um, incredible, like, you know, in, in problems and issues based on a human virus that's knocking players and coaches out of the lineup left and right. And they've survived it. And they've survived it rather nimbly. And like, the you know, the cap number going up is I think also great for the craftier um, free agents uh, that, you know, weren't going to get their their worth on the open market that signed sort of these one-year, I guess, prove-it type deals, or maybe NFL prove it to me that you're going to be around after this year. And uh, bang, they're going to have a new chance, to, if, they, if they succeed, to sign a better contract a year from now. So, I mean, this is a lot of business, because it's the most business-filled year of the NFL that we'll ever, ever know. And um, it'll be nice just to have it back, that part of life back to normal. Well, I think the Patriots absolutely spent this off season intentionally that they saved for this off season intentionally once they knew what the situation was going to be because cap space. Now we can go back to it next year. Doesn't have the same sort of value, right? I just looked and uh, half the league has more than $30 million in cap space again. Uh, and you know, 20 to 25 teams have like, you know, 15 to 20 million. So there's very few teams that are going to be that freaked out. And there's a lot of teams uh, towards the top, like 40, 50, 80, you know, 70, 80 million dollars in cap space, way more than they'll ever, you know, need. And so that's that's back to normal, I think. And the, yeah, salaries will go up. But the good thing, I think, is we won't hear as many teams crying poor and having to trade because of cap space and stuff like that. And so the Patriots might as well have spent all that money this year. They still got 30 million next year in space. In other news, the Houston Texans, interesting uh relationship they have with the media down there in a in a New England Patriots type way. Nick Casario, of course, came over from New England to Houston. And uh, this tweet from friend of the show, John McClain, for the first time in 45 years of covering the NFL, I'm seeing something <laughs> new. Media allowed to attend our first Texans OTA and we're given rosters with no numbers for players, names with no numbers next to them with almost 50 new players. Idiotic. McLean says McLean is not happy, <laughs> and it's uh, these you know these NFL teams are trying to make it harder and harder for the media to share takeaways on these OTA practices, which you both understand, but also you get why this is 
kind of dirty business to me. And it's all, I feel like we're all part of the big ecosystem here and the coverage of the sport is good for the fans. And when the teams get overly cute and secretive, uh, we don't really win and it should really ultimately be about the fans. Where do you guys come down on this? Is this a trope alert now? Because I feel like uh, didn't Joe Judge last year? There we go. Uh, Get himself in the same sort of trouble. Except he took the names off the jerseys, which I think the Patriots have done in the past. Okay, but the names, okay, the names make it annoying. You take the numbers away, and as McLean points to, when you have an entirely new roster, it's a total bank sesh. That is, you're basically saying you won't be able to do anything unless you can see inside these guys' helmets or whatever. I don't know what you're going to do. Remember, they're like 100 yards away on top of it. I don't know what the agreement, um, apparently there is no agreement around something like this. Because, look, if you're, you know, we don't have to go do the job of a beat reporter where you've got to be precision um, mixed with quickness and facts, and you can't get it wrong. And you're, you're turning that whole thing into mush for them. And, and McLean, who's been, he's seen everything. Um, I love him because he has, when he gets annoyed at the Texans, he'll let you know um, on-field stuff. But you don't hear a lot of just, like, endless complaining from him. And with this one, it's like it stands out as a wrong, a wrong done. And, like, I hope, you know, either A, they're that disorganized, or B, they're doing it intentionally to the reporters. I'm not sure which of those options I'd like better as a Texans fan. I, I mean, to me, well, I, I think, think it's, it's a total hot mess. Yeah, it's got to be. Right. It's got to be very intentional. Th- this, is a, this is an organization that, A, cleaned out their PR staff and, like, a very popular one, um, replaced it with, with nothing of near, you know, uh, likability, according to the people that work with the Texans, and essentially seem to be antagonistic towards the press. And towards all of us that cover football, and I just something about the whole thing. I think McLean nailed it. It's, it's idiotic and it's um it's aggressive. In other news, some changes to how the NFL handles cutdowns uh, this summer. For years, of course, teams were required to trim their ninety-man roster down to seventy-five players right before the final preseason game. They altered that in two thousand seventeen when they went straight from 90 to 53 ahead of week one. The NFL changed things up with COVID last year, and now the NFL is returning to multiple rounds of cuts. Uh, So by August 17th, you got to get to 90 to 85. By the 24th, a week later, 85 to 80. 31st of August, 80 to 53. Greg? You wanted this in the news? Tell me what. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do anything with the news. This was a Mark. I, oh, Mark I was in there. It, It'll down. be nice for us on Labor Day weekend. I feel like, um, you know, I, I'm sure it's the same with you guys. But Emika, my wife, uh, she knows the NFL schedule now, so she knows that the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, we're always getting banged a little bit, and we gotta, yeah, you know, I, I write a little column that day with the cut, cut downs and like family stuff is on hold until you know mid to late afternoon so now that's all freed up so thanks raj yep thanks it's on tuesday that's the day where you're expecting to you know (laughs) dig in and do some work so i appreciate that yeah very good todd Gurley. remember when he was the best running back at football it was like two years ago three years ago uh he's been unemployed since his one-year deal with the falcons uh came to a close he's getting interest from the detroit lions uh he is in detroit today, Thursday, post-hump day, to visit the Lions, according to ESPN. Uh, that would reteam Gurley with Jared Goff if it happened. And, you know, again, we're trying to get the fans excited over there in Detroit. And uh, repairing Todd Gurley and Jared Goff five years after they were the hot thing, 
maybe won't do it, but uh, it's good to see Gurley at least getting the chance to to pitch himself because it's been very quiet for him this offseason. I, you know, I was curious if he was going to be interested in taking the type of contract that I assume he'll be offered here, which, you know, he got $6 million to play for the Falcons. I, I thought he really hurt their offense last year. I thought he was one of the worst, you know, running backs in the league that got over, you know, 100 touches and took a lot of negative plays and just made a lot of mental mistakes that, that just seemed to hurt the Falcons. So I assume he's going to get offered like a one-year $2 million contract or, you know, maybe some incentives, but close to the minimum. Is he going to be motivated to doing that after making so much money on the guaranteed contract that you're right, Dan, it's only three years ago, less than three years ago this summer, he got that guaranteed money and he partly got it from Brad Holmes, who's their GM uh, in Detroit. He was in Los Angeles. So you see the connection. I like that we're ahead of this because I assume he's going to be signing this contract. I think it's happening. What, what I I would wonder what he's being told his role would be though, because you've got Deandre Swift um, they signed Jamal Williams. They currently have two other players with the last name of Williams who also have the first name starting with J. Jonathan Williams, James Williams. They've got three other running backs. They have seven guys on the roster right now. And I actually look, I think Jamal Williams um, was a good signing. I think he's an interesting guy for, on third down. And if they think DeAndre Swift is their lead dude, I know it's a new regime. What, what does that leave for Todd Gurley? You need to go fight to make the team. You're right. Right. Jamal I think it's Williams just like a priority. You got to, if you're interested in keeping your career going, come fight. And if he is, you know, a hundred percent motivated and stuff. Yeah. Like he could outrun Jamal Williams. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. And finally in the news, uh, we mentioned one trope alert uh, earlier in the show. Here are some true vintage trope alerts. <laughs> First out of green Bay. Trope alert. Trope alert. Jordan Love shows, quote, progress during first week of OTAs. That's that's a big one. This, you know, it's like so many things in Green Bay. Um, this all happened before. I there's a little quarterback uh, by the name of Aaron Rodgers who people don't remember um, did not play well his first training camp. Was written about pretty negatively. Struggled mostly in the preseason. Was behind Craig Nall, I believe, on the depth chart. Was number three uh, for his rookie year. And people were like, I don't know, this Rodgers guy might be a bust. And then he came in in second training camp in OTAs. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers is amazing. You know what? They were right in the end. So maybe it wasn't a trip. Maybe Jordan Love is amazing, too. I mean, I think the one thing, though, is like if you're going to go draft a quarterback in the first round, beyond all the drama that it stirred up, I mean, if he's not going to play all year, he wasn't even active for most games last season. He wasn't even the second-string quarterback. He saw no snaps. He got no experience. It's just like you're... These guys need to play. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers situation behind Brett Favre was, if if anything, unusual for a first-round quarterback. But they've created it again. And maybe he is Aaron Rodgers part two. I don't see any evidence of that at all. These OTAs and mini camps will be good for him. Um, But what if he... I mean, I I I noticed a lot of receivers didn't show up, though. That is... uh... I don't know if it's on my radar, but I find it interesting that a lot of the Packers receivers, maybe in a bit of loyalty to Aaron Rodgers, didn't show up either. And the the trope that this is taken from, of course, is uh, second-year quarterback, Colin. Right. The offense is a lot slower. Oh, yeah. Everything is slowed down right, for me right. in year two. Uh, trope alert. Hit it again, Ricky. Miami trope Dolphins alert. head coach. Trope alert. Same category, Tua, quote, more comfortable heading into 
2021. The game has slowed down for him. He's The offense is more familiar to him. And because of that, he will be God's gift to quarterbacking in about four months. I mean, it's also a new offense. Like Miles Gaskin, you know, they have that co-offensive coordinator set, set up. And Great idea, running back Miles Gaskin said that there's a lot of new wrinkles. I mean, he worked with some of these coaches in different places, but... Um, you know, Tua's, I don't like this for Justin Herbert too, for Tua having to learn a new system in your second, in the off season where things should be slowing down. He also, I think that and the more notable thing he said was that his hip, um, feels 10 times better than it did a year ago. Now we spent all last but offseason. I was told he was totally healthy I, it, last that's, year. That's why it's, I mean, it's a, of course it's like, he's absolutely fine. Couldn't be healthier, but, it, but if it feels 10 times better, that just was never the case last year. He also said he, he you know, didn't have the comfort with the playbook that he would like last year that he kept running plays that he, he thought probably were doomed to, you know, fail, but he didn't have the confidence to audible or anything. And I do think for guys who play from the neck up um, as like one of their big assets, and I'd put, you know, and I keep thinking of Alex Smith and Eli Manning for some reason when it comes to Tua, both of those guys, I, I think won a lot before the snap. And we're absolute disasters as rookies because that's the time when you're you're just not going to do that. And Tua is like that to me. I think players like that have a little smaller margin for error, and they need a little more time. When when if if he's going to be winning before the snap and knowing the playbook and all this stuff, like he doesn't have the physical tools that these other guys do. So it makes sense if he has a little slower start. It doesn't mean you're done. I'm I'm staying optimistic for Tua. There is a weird. Uh, there's a faction, and Greg just like. Uh, sp- uh, sp- spoke on it that um you know it's not really nice to say negative things about Tua like everyone is rooting for Tua don't don't be critical of his rookie year he's gonna be fine who's okay. saying that he, he well, struggled it's fine. I'm just trying to put it it's into fine. context I, of why it might not I, why it might have happened I think he has a lower ceiling for I'm just sure saying, than what you want out of number six quarterback but I think there's reasons to understand why I he understand might have a slow start I, what I know saying. what Dan's saying. Like, I, I don't think that we've... There's a bit of you know, a kid gloves with the media with two eyes. Right, I, really I mean, but we get it with everyone. Like, Darnold had incredible... Oh, oh here we go. T- Speaking t- of trope I'm alerts. Saying, but it's true, though, right? Like, we couldn't you speak think honestly handled two with kid years gloves? in. Like, I don't... No, I don't think Baker did. He was on people's radar. But he played great, so that that helped. I, there is something about Tua that, that I know... Dan, I can't. it's hard to put your finger on. I know exactly what you're saying, though. Right. I'm just saying that um, my larger point is that Brian Flores is an interesting position because we had debates about this last season. He benched Tua multiple times last year for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick obviously not there anymore. Is Flores going to be more patient with him in year two now that he's his hip is 400 times healthier and he knows the playbook and all this other stuff we're hearing? Yes. Or is this a situation where Flores is not necessarily a huge fan of this kid and he's he'll pull him again? He's got another... Um, solid backup and Jake Brisket uh, back there. He doesn't have the excitement level of fits or maybe the ceiling on a week to week basis, but it's not like you have uh, a total. It's not Christian Hackenberg back there. Um, so I'll be interested to see how the season plays out with Tua. If they, um, if they pull him at any point for Jake Brisket, it's over to me and, and they're moving you got to another big quarterback next year. I mean, may, maybe not over for the season or not, but you're, Ooh, you've made that decision. That Jake Brisket. That's what's happening. In the news. All right, before we get to uh, mailbag questions, we wish you would have asked us. That it's. I, I just want to make sure the listeners understand that I don't have an issue with you contributing to the mailbag. Uh, 
it's it, it just it's just sometimes I want you to read the tweet a little closer. That's all. Put it on me. Put it on me. You know. It is kind of a Greg conceit, and it was your idea, but I also don't want to make it seem like I'm throwing you under the bus, Greg, and say I don't, I don't believe in the sag Step it up. or anything. Step it up with these questions. Before we get to the mailbag, though, <laughs> Greg, you just completed your projected starters series oh, yeah. where you, you went through the whole league and all the rosters. Um, and uh, so check it out at NFL.com slash projected, projected starters. starters. Eight divisions. I'm, I, this is it. Eight divisions. They're all like this should work as a season preview. I will see you, um, editor. You know, my editor. I'll see you in September. Like, I should be good until week one right now. You're good. Eight, eight copy, eight articles in two weeks. Forget it. You're good. Yeah, you should good, be able to September. kind of hit cruise control a little bit here. Anyway, before we get to the uh, uh, mailbag, how about we put 60 seconds on the clock, Greg, yeah. and you give us some of your noteworthy takeaways from your studying of all of these rosters. Is 60 seconds enough? Do you want more than plenty. that? No, 60 is plenty. All right. Okay. The I timer. I can't read my own writing here, though. Well, you better figure it out because the timer starts now. Okay. If you take out the offensive line and quarterback positions in Denver, that's a top five roster. 11 win upside, maybe. Uh, the <laughs> Did Chiefs, you say if, offensive line quarterback? It's pretty Yeah, big, I mean, they're, they're important, but top five <laughs> roster other than that. Uh, the Chiefs, if Frank Clark doesn't rebound, their defensive end position is as thin and ugly as any in the league. As much as I love the Chargers, other than Joey Bosa up front, like they, they could put a lot of attention on Joey Bosa because there's not much uh, going on up front. The Colts are not ascending anymore. It's the first time ever, I think, hmm. uh, Chris... Ballard. The entire Bills starters on both offense and defense were on their roster last year. So they're very Chiefs-like. They basically, they brought it all back to they didn't do too much. I don't know if that's a concern. The Ravens, uh, they're going to really need to scheme up the pass rush. Every year it's like, oh, we don't need offensive uh, uh, linebackers, defensive ends. Well, our scheme will figure it out. Like, they are really uh, testing that right now. Uh, the the tech, or the Titans, rather. I like uh, their boomer bust defense. I like their defense more than I expected, and their offense less than I expected. Fine. Got enough in. Got you got in. another one in there? You got another one no, in the chamber? No. no. I wanted I mean, to I, say I had one. a few. I wanted to say the the Browns, um I didn't the Browns like have clearly like the best looking offense in the league or one of the top three or four. The defense though everyone's all excited about. And to me it's like, yeah, that could work or it could be bad again. Uh, yeah, like line defensive tackles bad, linebacker is question mark, like secondary's all new. Like maybe they'll be good, but they might just be bad again. I think the middle of their defense has questions, but I would just right. say that um of all the things that we do, you know, when you write for about football, occasionally you find that sweet spot where what you who you are and what you want to be about comes is part of the article's, you know, conceit. I think this is the best thing that Greg does all year, and it's not to denounce any of the other stuff, but it, they, you should read these if you are literally anyone, whether you're covering the sport or want to just, like, find out how much these teams have changed. The AFC South one particularly reads like a horror, a horror novel. I mean, there's a right, lot of problems going on in the AFC South, and I thought you really highlighted how none of those teams are really – growing into something they have a lot of holes suddenly especially the titans whoa right jaguars fans i think like that was one i, I didn't see. the jaguars fans gotta have some hope here because t law yeah. 
He's set up for some success. They got pieces. They could compete. Hey, listen, I said eight and a half. Yep. And I said I banged the over, and you were Oof. you were fired that's up. Just, about that, that just felt aggressive. But in that division, yeah, I think there's a there is a scenario where that could happen. I'm not saying it's greater than fifty fifty, but there's a scenario for sure. And I I agree with Mark. This is why this is certainly right in Greg's happy zone, which is why we gave it exactly sixty seconds. <laughs> In the middle of May on our podcast. It feels like maybe a miss, maybe a whiff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fine. Possible. It's fine. Some things, you know, don't translate as well, I feel like, from uh, I don't know, man. to podcast. But you're right, we could use the content these days. I feel like that was a, uh, that was a gimme. I, 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 I didn't realize you had already finished it. Um, Last one went up today, yeah, AFC yeah. West. I am excited about these Broncos. I'm now convincing myself to root for a Teddy team again. They, they, it really is like a good-looking roster. Like the, um, I'm not talking to you about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, <laughs> the the idea that we're doing a fake mailbag now instead of having a more de- uh, a deeper dive on projected stars, I have some regrets. Maybe let's let's keep the door open here, Mark. Let's talk about this because okay. Greg seems a little bashful about it. But maybe next week we should have some type of projected starters type seg. That just there's. Makes sense. I mean, he he gave you um, having read through it. He gave you just like a small little look inside a, a massive machine filled with knowledge and information. So I just feel like we're not know. doing, we're not being, we're, what do they say? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, which is just a strange saying. That's what we're doing right now. We're going to have a projected starters episode mm. next week. That's Make it. out with that gift horse. Give it a sloppy one, you know, right on the <laughs> What is it? is it? Was there know. a time when people were giving horses to each other left and right? It feels... Kind of upper crust action to me, right? I I think yeah, in the 19th century, perhaps uh, among That'd the like owners. Oh, here, here's then, a so. little, here's a little uh, horse. Yeah, the, you know, the horse a gift horse. Business. Yeah, right. Would you like this gift horse? <laughs> no, thank you. I, I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> it's a nice looking horse. Horse, this gift horse. But thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. I don't that need it. That was the thing that was happening. Yeah, I will not. And people like don't do that. Pompous. That's a gift horse. But why like the look in the in the mouth? What is that? I don't know. Maybe examining its um. Well, I don't know, oh, its, its oh dental that's teeth. it. You, that's you, know, it. you figured it out there. That is, that's we're it. not the Just smartest, um, but we work hard, and <laughs> eventually we get there. That's it. That's a pretty good. That's pretty good. So basically, if you're kind of digging into the the oral scenario here with the horse, um, you are perhaps over. Yeah. Take the gift. Just take just say, the horse. That's a nice looking it horse. doesn't that's need it. to right. have perfect chompers, you know. Right. Fix it up right. a little, you know. Just take it. There the idiom itself probably stems from the practice of determining a horse's age from looking at its teeth. Uh, it would be rude to receive a horse for your birthday and immediately examine its mouth in front of the person who gave it to got you, it. as if you were trying to figure out the value of your gift. Got it. That's this exactly... happened to me a lot as a kid. And... <laughs> right, right. Well, Erica is from that upper crust Rhode Island society. That's the same as if if somebody sent you some type of electronic or whatever it is. Um, and the first thing you do is you pick up your phone and look it up on Amazon. Nah, mm-hmm. Don't do that. Good That's modern rude. update. Really right. help Nailed help it. sell it to the uh, millennials. Gen Z. No, forget about millennials. It's not about millennials anymore. It's about those Gen Zers. It's a rough and tumble crowd, that Gen Z crowd, from what I'm understanding. <laughs> hey, Ricky, I feel like um, this... Um, yeah. What's her name? Olivia Rodrigo. Rodrigo is right up your alley. I feel like yeah. she's all you're all she's about a, her. She's a Taylor Swift 
sort of sound. Gen Z Taylor Swift of, with a little bit of Lord thrown in there. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, I I uh, I'm into it. I'm not as into it. I think I'm a little, you know, definitely going back through my high school years. Like you know, I'm like the Jamie Lee Curtis and Freaky Friday, like trying to be in a rock band vibe. But uh, I see um, what you're saying, yeah. You know, yeah, it's there. It's good. It's got some. It's bangers. like when all of a sudden Ashley Simpson was a punk rocker, and it was like, well, yeah, it's like, I don't think we're going to give you this one. That. Yeah, <laughs> skip that era for a little bit. If you're a little bit older, um, she gives me vibes like when Alanis Morissette came out in the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. What made her cool was like she was not only this young singer songwriter that came out of nowhere. She had like a little bit of an edge to her. Like she sang about things that you usually didn't hear about. She used some salty language, and that kind of you. I think that upped her cred. I I, I don't want to say Olivia Rodrigo is a, a product uh, because people say she's kind of legitimately talented, but uh, it seems like she's studied a lot of this stuff, Definitely. or people with her have studied different. But that's okay. She's a she's a pop star. You're supposed to figure she's out. She's only the 17 formula. and has like crazy, crazy smash hits coming off this. You know, I caught Greg. He didn't realize his camera was on, but he was like singing and dancing a driver's license and like crying. Mm, it was like really Greg. uncomfortable. Oh, that's. But I have to the album has been. It's solid. It's definitely solid. Too All hard. right, let's get it. It does. It's it's tricky, especially once you get into the age range we're in. She's an she's kind of an exciting new artist that people are talking about, and it's like. Should I be listening? My to kids, my kids will like it album? though. Like she love, they love BTS too. Like they'll like it. So it's a okay, good. You have it, cover. You I'll have satis- cover. I'll be satisfied. Like it's it's better than kids' music. So I'll take it. I like it. I don't have a daughter, and I'm not going to have a daughter. Um, which is a minor point of contention in my marriage, but ultimately I don't hold the cards in that realm. So this is what it is. But I do. I think one advantage I would imagine of having a daughter is that you get to kind of experience all sides of the pop spectrum as they get older, which I find interesting. If they're into music. Yeah, I've got to say Walker's more into it and dancing around than than Ella's for sure. All right, let's get into the fake mailbag. 60 seconds on projected starters, fake mailbag. (laughs) Here we go. Greg, you get us going. All right. And, you know, I'm thinking, what what do I want to know from you two? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, so if, we're basically just no. There's a lot. There's uh, you're, well, you're making up a, a question. Yeah, the other two people have to answer, it. and Ricky, okay, jump in, in whenever you want. In this scenario, your fandom of the Jets and Browns will be wiped from your your brain. You're not going to miss them. You have no residual fandom left over. It's just like a blank spot. But you are waking up today, and you do love football just as much. And you are choosing a team to root for that you hope is you know lasts the rest of your life, and it's starting right now. And which which team do you root for? I'm hmm. probably I'm probably picking the Rams. There there's a lot of complications. Um, when you move across the country, and kind of start your life over, and you have all this stuff that you were born into and you grew up loving. And for me, one of the tough things about being away from New York for the past decade is like you, like I'll use the Knicks as the example, like such an exciting time in New York sports. And I just feel disconnected from it. Um, So even though I love watching the Knicks and the Yankees and I love the Jets, obviously, um, it would be just easier and cleaner if I were back in a home market. And, And especially I have now two young sons and it's a little bit of a conflict about you know, how do they, who do they support? How hard do I push or do I not push at all about who I root for? All that stuff. I'll just wake up one day and be a Rams fan. And then if they're Chargers fans, that's cool too. 
and that's it. So that's me. Stay in the LA market, old school style. That is very um, altruistic of you and thinking about everyone else's needs and wants. I, I don't have, I, I'm not able to do that on this front. I would, Greg, so do, did I have the same, did I grow up in the same places? Did I, did I listen to WFAN, all that other business? If the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Other, okay. It's just like somehow your fandom was, was wiped and all the memories. So in theory, like in this would be hard to get to. You could even like the Ravens because you don't even know that they were the rival of your own team. You have no, you have no history, but you, yeah, you're choosing a team now from scratch. All right. I would go, I, you know, I, I gave a second thought to the Steelers just because I think I'd be attracted to um, long, his, long running historical franchises that, you know, know what they're doing because the time is short. I don't have 20 years to put up with an organization that's, you know, riff raff and mentally confused. Um, but I, I am going to pick the New York Giants um, with the hope that they get back to those ways. Uh, that's just the team that I think has always been my second favorite team. Um, and my heart would go there. It's the first thing that came to mind. They're what due. about you, Greg? Mm, I didn't come up with an answer here. But uh, I'd probably just think short, shortish term and go Chargers because they have Herbert. And Chiefs with Mahomes or the Ravens with Lamar would be probably two and three. But since the Chargers are here and they have the quarterback, yeah, that would probably win the tiebreaker. What about you, Ricky? Lamar would. Be I'm not. I'm not here. some you know turncoat. Patriots are die. Well, you you don't you don't have that. <laughs> no, I feel like she would know, wake up knowledge. and still be a Patriots fan. I yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, wow, yeah. where am I? She'd no, be on I her think... helicopter like going over the vineyard and just. You did like, just say yeah. something was wicked. And, Annoying before the show, which I haven't heard since uh, senior yeah. year at Minichog Regional in Western Massachusetts. I mean, it is it is legitimately a new team because they're going to not win for the next twenty years. So you would be having a very different um, experience as a Patriots fan. Um, yeah. No, I think I think um, I'd probably pick like some random team that doesn't get like I don't know. I've always sort of like liked for underdogs. So, like, I'd probably be like, oh, the Lions have, like, a crazy story of, like, despair. Like, I'd, I'd want to, like, fight for – like, I feel bad for those types right. of teams. So, I'd probably go there. It's it's but really before your time, all kidding aside, but once upon a time, the Patriots were that very thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. For ages. Um, all right. Since it's in a similar vein where it's kind of um, creating a, a separate timeline and um, it involves fandom – uh, Mark, I have one for you here. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you the choice of two doors to walk through here. One is the Browns win three Super Bowls in the next 12 years. That's nice because not only you get three rings, it's spread out nice. That's a dozen years. That's a yeah. nice chunk of your life. Um, and you got two boys there. They're going to fall in love and all that stuff. Or you go Mr. Destiny. All right, but play this clip in case you forgot about the 1990 film. Your life's been changed. This is your house. Those are your children. And Cindy Joe is your wife. Happy birthday, darling. God help me. <laughs> yes, James Belushi and uh, Michael Caine as the kind of angelic figure involved. And the plot of the movie was this um, regular Joe guy has this huge moment when he's in high school with the game on the line, with the like state championship on the line of baseball. He strikes out. Mike, he goes to a bar. He's down on his luck as a grown man. Still thinks about that moment and how he blew it. Michael Caine gives him a tonic. He drinks the tonic, and all of a sudden, he hit a home run in that moment, and it changed his entire life. So, And then he learned his old life was better all along because right, it's not about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
Also, he, you know, he, cho- he chose Linda Hamilton over Rene Russo. It's a movie. Okay. So you, Mark, you parlay. This is your Mr. Destiny moment. You parlay that much-referenced peewee football career into high school stardom. You become a three-year starter for a respected D3 program. That includes all-conference selection, honorable mention as a senior. Your pro day. You just wake up. You know, sometimes you wake up and you're just feeling good and you're just having a good day. You have an awesome pro day. Like, I guess this would be the Mr. Destiny moment. You just play out of your mind in this regional pro day. Wow. And you end up becoming a surprise seventh-round pick by some coach who values how gritty and gutty you are and all this good stuff. You go on to play in parts of four seasons in the NFL, okay? Mostly as a special teams guy. But you do finish with 27 catches and two touchdowns in your career. Okay. Your football career is over by age 27. You kind of bounce around with some have-nots. There's no, like, big Super Bowl thing. or It was a very nondescript NFL career. Uh, but you did bounce around for four years. You met, you never made more than the league minimum, uh, which, by the way, is 610000 in the new CBA. But whatever. I guess we're going to back this up to when you were 22. So whatever. It's nice money. Um, do you take that life, basically starting over, age 27, nondescript NFL career, but really an awesome sports life, um, or current life with three Super Bowls for the Browns, your favorite football team? Well, I mean, this is a huge, like, sliding door scenario where I probably, like, the children that I think about, um, you know, every minute of every day don't exist because I probably would have met someone completely different. Like, Rene don't, hide, don't hide behind that. Don't hide behind Yeah, keep, try to, I know what you're saying because it's right. almost impossible as a parent to think that way, uh, but try to keep the kids Who knows? stuff. You but, might have met Simone, at, like, right. that, that's eight years away from even meeting Simone anyway. Simone is like a, a, a groupie, and you met her, like, outside, like, a hotel or something. It's great. A groupie of a seventh-round pick. I get it. Um, <laughs> look at, I mean, I, you know, outside of the eradication of my actual family, um, which I will, as you say, bury that to the side. Try to. I, I'm going to go um, the Browns uh, because wow. I, I'll tell you what, I think that helps a lot more people. Um, but it, for me, I think like, I don't know what I'd be if I were an athlete that fizzled out at like age 32. I don't think I like 27. I don't necessarily love, um, the second part of life and the third part of life after that, just knowing myself, um, I would rather have the current structure with a huge, I mean, you know, with a huge Browns, like decade plus, um, coming down the pike. I I don't know. Is that, that's my answer. Like maybe I've displeased you with that, but. And what about if um, you, in both scenarios, you end up with Simone and the boys? I don't know what I, what I, am I, so I'm at like, you know, I'm out there with my pals telling them about my three and a half year NFL career from like 17 years ago. I loved playing football to some degree, but I also remember um, that pr- like these two hour practices, I was just sitting there being like, please be over soon. Like I, you know, you, I like Charlie's angels. Is you gotta, on love, tonight, the, you gotta you know? love the game. You gotta love the game. But you don't, you, the, this, the Mr. Destiny thing, you're really talented. You're in the top, you know, 1% of football players in the country or whatever, it, whatever it would be. 2%. So I mean, you're, I can you're probably tell enjoying you, practice more because you're great at football in this scenario. Well, that makes some sense. I mean, I could tell you that I will take that, over the Browns thing, if that's what we're looking for. But I I think I'd probably just become a total a-hole t- on some level. So I'm definitely not looking for anything. I guess I was a little surprised, but that's good. I mean, you showed out at that Williams College Pro Day. 
Um, <laughs> like you really. If you threw in like, up. look at you're a you were a real plucky athlete who also had this huge moment that helped your team win the Super Bowl and your career was four years long. That's a little different. I feel this like I bring, kind of, you know. <laughs> this will bring you down to earth. Um, there's also choice C, which is reality, which is you'll get neither. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, Mark, go ahead. Okay, so um, I'm going to throw a quick one at you here. I noticed that some of you, especially the clown reading this, um, absolutely fall in love with various coaches. And we like a ton of them. They they totally peter out and don't do what we say. And I can think of a couple off the bat. But from where we stand today, I know, Greg, you've done your, your coach rankings, your GM rankings. Who is the most overrated head coach in the NFL? Mm. Active? Active. I mean, someone that we're talking about is one of the 32 head coaches right now. I mean, I would say I don't like going down this road uh, because I feel like he, he's a bit of a punching bag at times, um, even on this podcast. But, you know, Gruden in 2021, uh, in the fourth year of a $100 million 10-year deal, I I don't know if we're supposed to factor in all these elements to it because if he was I on a, can. a more normal deal, I probably – and there weren't the outsized expectations when he came back from – his um, time in broadcasting. Um, what was the exact wording he used? Oh, he said overrated. overrated. So that's true. Just overrated. He, at this point, he gets so much grief. Um, but yeah, that's, that that's the pro- The word overrated is. Too I would. Hard. I guess I would say Gruden, but he's like, yeah, like you say, he's he gets so much heat now because I think people there's a little bit of uh, enjoyment in seeing him scuffle and the Raiders. Um, so maybe he's not overrated. But Gruden, Cliff Kingsbury is the other one that comes to mind. Yeah, I think that's what think have we that, seen from Cliff fits. Kingsbury on this level, really, uh, to warrant all the hype that he had coming in. So maybe he's the answer for me. Yeah, he's similarly, great. I thought like McCarthy at first, but it's like he's not really rated highly. So you need someone that that doesn't get a lot of critique. And I didn't think I could come up with one, but then I did. Hey, Mike Vrabel, hey, you're a defensive guy. How about I have a decent defense uh, once in a while? I know he's <laughs> like he he he. Everyone likes him. He's know, a he he, he uh, strikes a. Uh, cutting figure up there he's, he's great his teams have done pretty well uh but he is a defensive coach whereas the the sum of the parts on the titans defense never quite add up like he's got good some good players and they always kind of stink so uh i'll go mike Vrabel. i just the one, to, I, I just also, to have something spicy i also like and i, I agree that like some titans fans are not gonna be happy about that no the reaction to these guys is so fierce now that like it's it is maybe hard to find classically overrated right, coach, mccarthy but... i could say but like everyone Bags on McCarthy. Uh, here's the thing about McCarthy. Me. Here's why he came to mind, though, is because during that like three hour long Dak press conference, um, it, how many times Jerry Jones is like, and we are here with our wonderful coach. Uh, we just have our wonderful coach. It's like Mike McCarthy did nothing last year, and he came out of Green Bay with like a super low Q rating. So I don't, you know, Jerry Jones seems to think he's. All the bad ones get fired. That's uh, unfortunately yeah. for NFL coaches, it is a, it's a tough business. They're all gone. It is a tough business, and it's ultimately about wins and losses. And Vrabel in three seasons, 29 and 19. They have a division title. Uh, they have been to two playoff games. Uh, they won a playoff game. Uh, upset win over the Ravens last year. I, I get it. I get that it. That said, that said, I, I think a lot of people um, who might feel, and maybe even some Titans fans out there, want to see how this team is without Arthur Smith there this year. Well, and I'm in a, a compromised roster on offense too. It's not it's you know, there it's not just the defense that might underwhelm you this time around, Greg. 
What is the what are they? I know Corey Davis obviously is not there. What else are we? Johnny pointing Smith. To? Johnny yeah, Smith. The their line depth is... in general. Yeah, it's just you know. It just. It's, I know Johnny really... Smith got paid like a superstar, but it's not like he was ever. A superstar I get it, producer. but like now it's like Ferkser and who is it? Jeff Swaim or something? Is their two tight ends and their third receiver is like I don't even know. They don't even have a third receiver. They're going to have to sign someone. And Reynolds, who was the Rams' fourth or fifth, you know, fourth receivers or second. If they went Julio Jones, that changes things. But I think also yeah. just like the environment around Derrick Henry is mm. going to be tougher. Well, we went, it took a while for us to go around the room once. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna go to one. I have some more footbally ones, but I do want to make sure we get this one in because yeah. Okay. I guess we could start with Dan, but it's for both of you. Which is why are you the way that you are? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, oh, man. that's that's a that's a tough one. That's a toughie. I think it's a combination of, uh, of what what you're born into, and then the atmosphere, like what the environment you're around, and the experiences in life. I think that's the answer. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I know that I'm definitely motivated by um, slights and past failures. To stuff stuff that from like even 18 years ago, I could still be um, ruminating on at times and it will drive me for two weeks now that's not healthy mm, i don't think that's the only way to for. go something that like that got me inside that was good i like that. that's i think that that's something that i had, would put as something i could work on potentially um I but then you, in, you know although in dan's defense like i am sort of convinced after having kids at least my experiences like they were who they were before they could speak <laughs> for the most part yeah it's like you couldn't change that, that is, you couldn't change is, that about them being a parent is it's it's a blessing it's a miracle it's also it could stress you out when you think out think too much about it like things that you find are good qualities about yourself bad qualities about yourself like some of that is all hardwired into the uh children it's pretty heavy if you if you want to think too much about it so you don't and you just try to teach them well and and make them good humans um all right all right i'll throw another one out there did I do my Mr. Destiny one? Yeah. You did do that one. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of did a lot of research on this, but now I don't really care what the answer is. I was going to say, should we do a lottery uh, in the NFL instead of the, um, the do a, you know, a worst record gets the first pick? I mean, you come off a season where um, the Jaguars just lost 15 straight games to close, close the season, including the final four weeks when they were outscored by 85 points. Yeah, that Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Nate Sudfell disaster um, in Week 17. Bad look for everybody. You see, as a Lions fan, you know what's going on here. They're trying to get the number one pick uh, next spring. None of this makes it for a better league. Why not introduce an NBA lottery uh, to curb the urge to tank before this becomes like a hardcore mm. crisis like it did in the NBA? Um, now, and here's the thing. I'm afraid to put this out there because I know the shadowy league figures don't not many of them actually listen to the show, but some do maybe. Um, this is a this is a slam dunk for the league in terms of a promotional. Uh, they're always looking for ways to stretch out the calendar. If the NFL um, wanted to, they could blow this out the week after the Super Bowl, right? So put it between the Super Bowl and the Combine, make it a primetime event. You have Rich and Irvin and all the whole crew there, Mooch, uh, to host it. And you have all the representatives from the team, just like the NBA does. It's a great product. It really is fun to watch. It's exciting, as silly as it all is. And um, you kind of 
take over another week of the calendar as a sport. And then you also uh, you give teams less of an incentive to not try because you're lowering the odds um, of getting the first pick. Just being the worst team doesn't give you the number one overall pick. I think now that we're in a world where it seems like every year there is legit um, evidence to look at certain teams and say they're tanking. I don't think that was um, the NFL way necessarily way back when, when I think the draft in general was a little bit more de-emphasized. Um, so I think, A, it's a great idea um, and, and it has value. I still think, and this will never happen, I would love, and this is an old Damashek, Dave Damashek concept, like a reverse playoffs where you take the worst four teams um, <laughs> and you pit them up in like a reverse AFC and NFC title type game and a reverse <laughs> Super Bowl where now you can't, the losers get the lower draft pick. You, if you win that tournament of, of total uh, ham and eggers, then you get the number one pick. I think that would be excellent television um, in a way, uh, you know, amongst, among, with a real prize at the end. It, it's football so unique, though, because, man, it, it'd be hard to mo- you, like ask these players to put themselves out on the line for, to get a number one pick for a team they're going to get cut from. Well, you know, and also most when them, they wanted most to of them fire be, the coach probably right, most 10 of them days won't be ago. Back, you know? So I don't, think you're gonna, I don't think you'd want to add to the schedule with that. Um, but uh, I like the lottery, and I'm not even worried about tanking. I mean, compared to the NBA, it's nothing, and I don't think it ever will be anything like the NBA uh, in terms of seeding. But I, I still say, why not? I get the idea of why the, the draft is how it is, but that was that was back in the 50s for parody and stuff. It, it'll The parody of it all will work itself out if basically you've got to be in the top five or six to have a real chance to win this lottery, you know, or else your odds are infinitesimal anyway. So just mix up the top five or six. It, Don't you, know, you want give, to see Goodell doing the pin? Yeah, ball, the I want to see that. I want to see the yeah. randomness. Plenty what of times it, it doesn't work out. You'll balls. win the lottery and you'll draft um, – you know, you'll draft Josh Rosen over Lamar Jackson or whatever it is. I'm not thinking of, uh, there's better ones at the top of the draft, but it happens. You draft Sam Darnold over. You know, it's like you don't you don't know what's going to happen anyways. I think it'd be fun. Dude. Thursday night, February 15th, 8 p.m. Goodell oh, yeah. with the ping pong ball. Before the have. combine. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's only, good. and just so you, if maybe people aren't familiar with the NBA lottery, the only the teams that didn't make the playoffs are involved. So right. what is that? 20 teams. Right. And then, if you were seven and nine, you're going to have like a 0.5% chance. You're right. not, you got to really be towards the end to have much of a chance. And the NBA has made different things to, uh, to continue to try to um, make teams not completely give up. So now it's the way it's set up now is the lottery is only for the top four picks. And then starting with pick five, it goes to, it reverts to uh, worst record starting with pick five, but top four now is the teams with the top, the worst four records all have the equal chance of getting the number one overall pick. So they just, Mm. it used to be um, the, the team with the worst record had a 25% chance. And it was, and it was too, it was too much of an incentive for teams to still tank. So now they've balanced that out. And it's basically the bottom four teams all have, I think a 10% chance. And like Greg said, the team that went eight and eight missed the playoffs has like a, 0.8 0.8 or 1% chance of getting the first overall pick. Uh, anyway, it's going to happen. The NFL is going to make a ton of money off it, and uh, it might make for a better product. That's my feeling. I will annoy the NBA to, to no end. It's like you've taken the one thing that we do that you don't do, and now you do it, and you get way more people watching it, please. Yeah. Uh, did you have another one, Mark? I, would, I do have one here. Um, all right. So let's say that you, too, were suddenly given 
more football knowledge than anyone on earth. Okay, like a C-3PO figure times 500. You, Don't get you it. have insane... You, well, it's, you can look him up. He's is that a, a robot? Relatively, it's a robot. He's a, he is in popular culture for our popular culture, <laughs> man. We're like um, a mix of Greg Cosell and Bill Belichick upstairs. Times the... like 30. And like, okay. let's see, it's almost it's like a, a superpower. Robot. It's like a superpower kind of thing. But it's going to end in one year. It's for one calendar year. So I would just ask you, like, you know, you've thought about having this power probably at some point. What would you do with it? Would you would you get the heck out of like your work environment and go write like the greatest football book of all time? Would you stay on this show? Mm. Um, but then a year later, you'd be like, that guy was amazing. And then he went back down to his normal processing abilities and were le- a lot less amazed. So I'm just wondering, what, you, what would you coach a team? What would you do if you had that incredible knowledge? So like, would that knowledge allow me to be an ace in the stock market or something? No, it's it, you. You have the more football knowledge than any, I mean. You could. Oh, it's football knowledge mostly. Football right. knowledge. I like how Mark prefaces it by saying you've probably thought about this before, so you know we know where he's Possibly. coming from. Um, I think you know you gave me the idea. Now that I think about it, th- there's almost no way. It's not like they I could get hired into the NFL with all these this knowledge quickly or anything. The timeline is very difficult. Staying on this show. That's not going to help me that much uh, to you know have a couple good extra nuggets. I do think I would write the book because um, that's like a dream would be to see my my um, book on a shelf in a in a bookstore. And if I'm this smart, I could probably I could write a good one. Maybe it doesn't make me a good writer, but I would be motivated. I take the leave of absence and. It, it is kind of a, a certain type of badass writer that like writes one amazing thing and then never writes again. I wouldn't try to do a follow up because it would stink because I would lose my knowledge. No, you can't. You can't I'd write do as the much as I could in a year, but it'd just be like, hey, that's the guy who wrote the one awesome football book. That would be a good guy to be. I would just kick the shit out of you guys on this podcast for a year. Yeah, I think that's that's appealing. It's appealing. Then you awesome. could then you could leave the show after a year and never no, never have just, your voice heard from. Then again. I go back yeah. just to being me and get things wrong and stuff, but like. That would just be a fun year, and and uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really need anything else. It's kind of a, a weird superpower. It's it's almost useless, but also right. it will be a fun thing. Um, you would try to get on more podcasts. Sense. Like, I would try to get on the Move the Sticks podcast, to your point, and start hmm. wiping the floor with Daniel Jeremiah. It's like, oh, no, actually, no one's going to want you. you. Didn't you? That? Yeah, but you, at least you could surprise them. It's like, oh, you didn't watch that uh, tape of the Saginaw St- S- Valley uh, defensive tackle? Like, I thought he had, ec- you know, I don't know, and just make him look like an idiot. All right. Uh, before we go, Ricky, I'm going to ask you a question. Your yes. three favorite sitcoms. Okay. Go. Three. Coming in at number three, got to go Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Coming in at number two. You seem two. remarkably prepared for this. Yeah, wow. you got to sell the fact that you're not prepared. Not, you know. No, no, no. I mean, I did have to look up because there's so many good ones. And you have to remember yeah. I'm in a different, you know, right. I'm not going to be like, oh, Seinfeld and Cheers, like really get me every time. Um, Fresh Prince that, is just as old, isn't it? It's just Yeah, as old it's as 90s Seinfeld. too. Yeah. But um, that 70s show or Broad City, which is like more current, which I think okay. is good. You got Parks and Rec, but that's like you. You got to just say three. You can't number just make a big list. one is Sex in the City, and uh, I will die on that hill. That's funny because you were just saying, you know, you're talking about things that were too old to appreciate. Like mm. you were a baby when that show was at its height. Yeah. So you, makes- you discovered it later, obviously. Yeah, through actually like college had every single DVD set every season. Wow, watch it makes we sense because Erica's very, 
you know, fascinated, and that's kind of her lane, like rich white women. Like that's like her her thing. Um, my my top three sitcoms. I'm gonna say, The Office, uh, American version seasons. I'm gonna break it down because a lot of these sitcoms outlive their usefulness. Right. So seasons, especially seasons two and three, but we'll say seasons one through three. Arrested Development, um, seasons one and two. I think are like some of the funniest TV you'll ever see. Uh, but I will say the best is the first, let's say, eight or nine seasons of The Simpsons. That's my top three. With Seinfeld, 30 Rock, um, maybe Peak, Always Sunny, uh, all in the conversation after that. I I am not a Simpsons fan, and I, I realize I'm I don't, in weird territory because everyone around me seems to be. Um, I For me, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, which I'm rewatching, is still awesome. The Larry Sanders Show... Um, I think that is one of the best shows right. around. Um, if I want to go back a little bit further to what a more classic sitcom that I grew up watching, I think Family Ties, which I've sh- showed to my kids. Family Ties. Um, Family Ties is yeah, actually... Yeah, that was your three. You just said three. Family well, everyone Ties else listed like 12 one. things. You're number one. No, I put Larry Sanders show number one, Curb 2, and Family Ties 3. But this other one I, that I used to watch, Good Times, was awesome. But I don't think that's more like classic sitcom stuff than... Longer right. hour like, long I wouldn't shows. want to watch Cheers right now, really. Although, I mean, it holds up fine, but I wouldn't want to. But in terms of the impact it had on my life, that would have to make the list because I just watched it nonstop. And that's like the first thing I ever thought of with comedy for like five years from six to 11 or whatever. So Cheers makes the list. But Cheers then otherwise, is awesome. Cheers yeah. holds up incredibly well. It's, right. It, it still does. holds up. I just mean I'm not like I haven't I haven't done it. Um, but the others are on your guys' list. I put Arrested and Curbed as my other two. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. Cheers is um, really past the test of time, and I will say um, one off the radar kind of sitcom. If if we're looking, for, if you if you want something to discover here, um, check out Review, Comedy Central. Andy Daly starred in it as this guy Forrest McNeil that would be challenged by um, his viewers on this like public access show to do these feats these random feats, all very stupid. Uh, And you would think, okay, that's the premise of the show. But it wasn't really that. He would do these feats, and then the show was kind of like how doing these strange things would uh, affect his life. And his life just kept on going downhill, and he ended up (laughs) losing everything because he was doing this ridiculous show. It is amazing. Sounds familiar. Great show. Check out Review. Party Down, another great one. Party Down was great. It's coming back. Probably won't be good, but I don't like when these shows come back. Well, that's perilous. It it will. See. Rest of development came back terrible. Not even uh, you know, it just paled in comparison. But uh, watch the first couple seasons. Season three, yeah. All the stuff with we've written and they kind of lost the plot a little bit. I'm watching season <laughs> three right now, and I'm like, ah, this wasn't nearly as good as the first two seasons. TV talk got a whopper of a pod here. Well, maybe we should bring this in for a landing. No matter what, it always ends up a little, a little heavy. All right, um, eighty minutes. We'll be back on Friday on the network side. We are now on right after Good Morning Football. Still unclear whether that's a good thing or that's one of those things. Like speaking of sitcoms, and all of a sudden you start moving around on the schedule. 
And it's like the higher. I think it's just there's no more NFL now. There's no NFL now, so it's just like let's have it where NFL now was. Yeah, I'm just saying you start bouncing around that schedule. You don't know how that. Well, no one came to came to us and said you guys are lightning in a bottle. Um, You're absolutely (laughs) devastating ratings, so we're putting you into this spot for that reason. Well, we're off the schedule pretty soon. We got a couple more weeks here, a couple weeks off, then maybe back for one, and then and then hopefully we're back for the fall. So forget uh, hashtag bring. ATN uh, to London. How about I say hash- forget it? Hashtag no, don't forget it. We are. <laughs> I want that. Give it to me. I don't know if I don't know if the hashtag is going to help us get there. How about hashtag keep ATN on the NFL Network schedule? It's a little bit of a mouthful there, but let's. Do I it. think that keep would ATN probably just agitate them. Yeah, keep ATN on TV for the fall. How about let's watch see. ATN on TV, uh, listeners? We'd love that and and hear some feedback. We we work hard on that show and we are very proud of it. So. Uh, check out the network show right after Good Morning Football on NFL Network. And then uh, the podcast returns next Tuesday. All right. Good stuff. This is Dan Anza signing off for Quiet Storm. <laughs> the old boss. When I was a senior in college, this show was at its peak. And my girlfriend at the time lived across the hall. All the girls would pile into our dorm room because we had HBO. Wow. My roommate got hbo which is a crazy move in a dorm room and uh they all watched it together that's my sex in the city story girlfriend across the dorm room hall though is that's good it's good and it could be bad eventually good and bad it worked out yeah dan has a signing off for quiet storm the old boss ricky hollywood behind the virtual glass what are you by the way ricky which uh are you a samantha i feel like you're a samantha that is a big compliment. Thank you. That's what every girl that says because no. the other three suck. It's like, oh, okay, blonde, you could be Samantha, Cynthia yeah. Nixon and you're you're respectful. You're, but it's like you're if you're anyone else, it's like it's almost an insult. I know. Nobody but wanted to be, be Miranda. Uh, yeah, no one ever wants to be Miranda. No one wants to be Charlotte either. She's like not sure of herself. I was going into Charlotte. I want to be, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker, but I'm not, you know, so I guess I just end up being the <laughs> That's Miranda. Miranda. Nobody wants to be a Miranda. All right. Till Tuesday. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, Tanner girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. 
For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.